Hey, let's go. Welcome, friends. This is Patrick Steenberg, founder and president of Global Football, and your host here today for the podcast, Let's Go. Today, I welcome Brian Mullins from across the Atlantic Ocean, a Gaelic football icon and educational inspiration. Brian, how are we doing today? I'm uh, actually uh, in a foreign country. I'm uh, uh, housebound uh, under the uh, measures uh, announced by the government of Ireland to um, a small town on the coast of uh, County Antrim in a place called Carrickfergus, which is famously renowned there, the song uh, that maybe isn't worldwide, but it's certainly uh, nationally known in Ireland as a, a famous uh, a song that's uh, sang uh, liberally and extensively uh, for the, the small coastal town of Carrickfergus, which has a castle and dates back to the 12, 1300s. Wow, that sounds like a pretty good place to be housebound for a bit. Hey, I know we've got uh, lots of stories to share and, and to talk about today. Appreciate you joining us. Why don't you just take me back, uh, you know, to your, your youth days when you were growing up. Was there somebody, a leader, a mentor, a coach, somebody who particularly had a strong influence in you today? Well, I'm one of these people, Patrick, that there wasn't just one. I was very fortunate that there was a number of people who came into my life uh, when I was quite young, uh, even before I was a, a teenager, when I first uh, had the capacity to uh, get out and uh, play uh, in uh, the street and in the um, uh, local uh, teams and uh, with youngsters of, of a similar age. Uh, I don't know whether it was coincidence or not, but I, for one of the first people that influenced me a lot was a man called John Honan, who was a father of a friend of mine. So I would remember when I was nine, 10, 11 years of age, being just struck with his uh, very uh, uh, huge capacity for giving and for <laughs> guiding and for, uh, you know, leading uh, good experiences and quality experiences. And uh, when I look back, I would, uh, uh, as I am now, and I, that you asked me the question, I would see that I had a series of people along the way. Uh, and I, I must have been somebody that was easily inspired or easily uh, influenced because uh, right from John Honan, right up through my teenage years, to a man who uh, uh, lived until he was 92, 93 years of age recently, a man called Emmett Memory, who was my first uh, minor under 18 uh, uh, mentor, and uh, right through to uh, then the uh, Kevin Heffernan of uh, fame, who uh, would have influenced my uh, formation uh, significantly in terms of uh, leading the way and in indicating and being able to uh, learn from how uh, 
real leadership uh, happened and what constituted real leadership in terms of standing up and being counted. So from uh, the, the simple answer to your question, Patrick, is that I've been very fortunate. I've had a number, quite a number of uh, people who influenced me uh, both in my personal life and my professional life and in my private life. Tell me a little bit about uh, growing up, where exactly you were and any of the challenges maybe you faced as a, as a youngster. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood uh, just three miles from the city center uh, of Dublin. And uh, it's still uh, a very popular place for people to live, middle class uh, area called Clontarf, which again, uh, just like Carrick Fergus is on the coast uh, as you go out of Dublin City northwards. And um, uh, I could uh, espouse its virtues uh, on uh, many, many uh, levels, but it was uh, an oasis of physical activity and sport. We had forests that we could explore and climb. Uh, we had farmland that we could um, traverse and uh, enjoy. And we had sports fields, uh, the whole range of everything from tennis to cricket to swimming. Uh, that uh, young, energetic, uh, troublesome boys like me could benefit from, even though we probably didn't realize we were benefiting at the time. But we loads, yeah. loads of space and chase girls and cycle bikes. Attaboy. Good living there. Uh, hey, uh, tell us a little bit about Crow Park. We've got a lot of listeners who probably don't know much about Gaelic football or Crow Park. Tell us what Crow Park would be kind of almost in American terms. Well, I watched the film uh, yes, last night only called Moneyball. And uh, yep. uh, it's about the um, San Francisco team and, and their uh, home venue in baseball was the Coliseum. And uh, the, the Brad Pitt, as uh, the managing director, went to uh, the Red Sox uh, at the end of the film. And uh, I've been in Soldier Field. So our Croke Park is the equivalent of the Coliseum, Soldier Field, and where the Red Sox played all rolled into one. It's a uh, we have two national sports, hurling and football. Hurling is a, uh, not unlike hockey. Uh, football is not unlike uh, rugby or uh, soccer or Australian rules or indeed even a, a little bit like American football, but it's played with a ball and players run. They run in all kinds of directions and they have to catch the ball and they have to, in our game, we're not allowed to throw the ball, but we can kick it. So, um, it's a mix of, uh, because we were, uh, I suppose, under the uh, part of the British Commonwealth for so many centuries, we inherited some aspects of them. But these games that I allude to, uh, hurling and football, are considered to be our native games, our uh, uh, indigenous games, if you would, just like the yep. American Red Indian had uh, uh, games. and. A lot of the snow 
uh, and uh, Winter Olympic Games would be regarded as indigenous to various uh, places in the world. We have we have our own, and Gaelic football is one of them. I was lucky enough to play it at the highest level for a number of years, and uh, a lot of the games that I played in were in Crow Park, which is, as I say, the, the equivalent of those three massive stadiums in America that people would be more familiar with. Yeah, I was there a few years back with uh, George O'Leary preparing for the Central Florida game against Penn State. And as he watched the Gaelic game, he said, every athlete should do this because it requires you to jump, run fast, left, right, kick, punch, whatever. Um, can you explain, just explain a little bit Gaelic football for people? Because that's where you really uh, got to be a star within that sport. Can you explain the sport fairly simply? Well, it's a 15 on 15 game. Uh, there's a goal at each end, which is about eight meters wide and uh, no, eight, 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 eight yards wide, yeah, eight, eight, about maybe seven meters wide and uh, three and a half meters high. And if you uh, get the ball into the area below the, the crossbar, you score three points. And if you put it between the uprights over the crossbar, you get one point. So the aim of the game is to score more than your opposition. There's no offside. Yeah. And uh, every uh, uh, position on the field is paired up. You, you pair up against... Uh, an opponent directly at the start of the game. You don't have to stay beside them at all times. You can you have free movement all over the 140 meters length of the pitch and it's 90 meters wide. So it's considerably bigger than a yeah. American football uh, field, uh, but it's, it's um, played mostly by kicking the ball, catching, you're either passing it to an opponent or you're kicking for a score. And conversely, you're, decide, you're trying uh, in play, in general play, to prevent your opponent, and in most cases your direct opponent, from gaining clean possession. Or if he has clean possession, you're trying to prevent him from uh, executing a pass successfully or executing a score. And if you can do this, you can't grab hold of your opponent but you can shield and uh, block like you can in basketball uh, and uh, without uh, um, interfering with him uh, uh, in, in the execution of his effort to pass, you can try and block or uh, influence where or how he doesn't or does uh, move the ball on. And there are some collisions in that game. I, I've witnessed those. Uh, when you grew up, you were playing for the St. Vincent's Club, I believe. Tell me about some of the goals you may have set when you were a teenager. Uh, you said, here's where I want to be someday. Well, um, I suppose when I, when I first of all joined the Vincent's Club, I was around 15 years of age, uh, going on 16. And uh, at that stage, I realized that uh, the people that I had got, gone into the club with were serious about their business and they weren't uh, really going through the motions of uh, turning up for uh, a recreational sport. They were uh, 
a team and a club that aspire to winning and winning as often and as regularly as possible. So I had to uh, adjust my thinking about why I was playing at all and why I was going to turn up for training or put in an effort uh, which I was being requested to do, put in my best effort uh, because they were telling me that I had some talent or some ability and that I needed to focus and needed to improve my concentration. So the targets I would have set myself was for not to let people down and, and try to give the best I could of myself and uh, understanding that I had been given uh, certain gifts. I was six foot four uh, at 17, 18 years of age. I uh, could run, I could turn, I could had a, a good hand-eye coordination. And uh, what I was encouraged to do was to make the most and that uh, I shouldn't let my gifts go to waste and not put in my best effort. So I made up my mind that that's what I was going to do. And I was going to give it my best shot. And uh, the, the uh, for us in our game is to play with your county and to represent your county. My county has, has about of a million uh, of a population. So every year the best 15 uh, our best 25 for a squad are chosen for that county so at that stage of 16 17 years of age my target would have been to uh, make the county team now luckily there was county teams under age as well under 18 so my first year my target was to make that county team under 18 and following that there was a county team at under 21 so I made both of those. And after that, it was a matter of um, trying to go for the adult, uh, uh, which was beyond under 21. And while I was still under 21, I succeeded in being selected for that as well. So I got lucky, I suppose. And uh, realizing my <laughs> luck, I, I decided that um, now that I was in the mix, uh, I better make sure that I gave it my best shot. Well, and, and you did with great success. The uh, I know in, in history, your Dublin team won four All-Ireland Finals, which would be the same as four Super Bowls. Uh, I got to talk to Rocky Blyer the other day, and he won four Super Bowls with the Steelers, so you're on that level. Talk a little bit about maybe one of those great Dublin teams and how they achieved greatness as a team. Um. Well, there was a, a steep learning curve for us in terms of um, realizing that whatever hope we had of getting something out or getting, having some success, it was going to be significantly influenced by what effort we put in in preparation and in training. So uh, we very quickly learned a few harsh lessons around that, that uh, in order to aspire or uh, target uh, uh, success uh, you have to understand that success doesn't come easily it doesn't come without hard work so we we uh, worked our way through to a common understanding of what we meant by hard work what did hard work mean and in most sports hard work means training uh, regularly pushing yourself and being prepared to uh, do whatever it takes. 
and uh, all athletes uh, and the, the same uh, principles apply to business, apply to uh, life uh, 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 learnings that uh, you do only get out of something uh, what you put into it. And sometimes you put an awful lot into something and you don't get out of it what you wanted. So uh, learning from defeat is a big part of the process. And um, realizing that sometimes your best is not good enough and that uh, you have to look for better than your best. And none of that comes about without hard work. And the other aspect of it is that when you have a group dynamic adding value to that, when you have a sense of belonging to a group who have a common purpose, a common ambition, then that that helps greatly because uh, when you're down or you're struggling, there'll always hopefully be in a group setting somebody to pick you up, somebody to lift you. And we would use deliberately work on that, that we were uh, about encouraging each other about working with each other, about pushing each other. So those two aspects of realizing what, what does an individual mean by hard work? What does hard work mean to you? Is uh, a core part, a foundation stone of uh, uh, targeting and wanting to uh, be something or to make something of yourself. And the second thing then, which is something that I was very compatible with, is the team effort, being part and being having a loyalty and a commitment to your mates and to the group dynamic. That was something that uh, if I was to choose two things to outline as being uh, essential ingredients, they'd be the two things. The uh, And everybody in life has adversity to overcome. And at the height of your career, you had a tragic car accident. Talk about overcoming that adversity in your life. Well, probably the the, the third little ingredient that I uh, didn't necessarily include in my previous uh, responses is a little thing called luck. You have to you have to have every so often you have to go and the, you know you know you're familiar with that great saying of Gary Players. When the sports commentator told him that on the 18th hole he chipped out of the bunker into the uh, hole, and the commentator said to him, "Gary, you were lucky on, on that um, chip out of the bunker." And Gary looked at him and said, uh, "Do you know what? The more I practice, the luckier I get." So. Yeah. The luck part, though, for me, in the in the context of the accident, and um, I was lucky I wasn't killed, and I realized that very soon after. I foolishly decided to have a disagreement with a concrete lamppost at 60 miles an hour. So uh, <laughs> the lamppost won that, and if I had been sensible, I would have realized beforehand that I could set myself in a yeah. lot of bother if I didn't go into that. Uh, but I was lucky in that I could healing and the injuries they had, which included a, a fractured femur. Uh, you get your DNA for healing from your parents. So I was lucky that I had strong, vibrant parents and my blood was able to 
uh, recover my bones and my injuries. And um, after that, uh, it was a matter of uh, going back to what I've just described as what is your definition of hard workers? And I had to get back down to basics. And uh, after a layoff of uh, over two years, I had to um, do a version of what Rocky did. Rocky is the epitome of, uh, you know, a life-changing injury and situation in Vietnam. And look what he did. Yeah. So um, I got great pleasure out of reading uh, Rocky's pieces, and particularly that piece about his uh, recovery from uh, the uh, horrible, uh, horrific injuries suffered in uh, Vietnam. And yet again, he was able to, by dint of hard work, perseverance, and just brute uh, determination, get back to uh, what he got back to and the, the successes and achievements he has. And he, uh, a, a huge part of his personality and his persona is exemplified in that. And uh, I like to think uh, in moments of um, uh, contemplation and perspective that uh, I did something similar myself by not feeling sorry for myself and accepting that um, I had uh, given myself a mountain to, to climb. But it's a question of, uh, do you want to climb the mountain or do you just want to lie at the bottom of it and feel sorry for yourself? So. Yeah, we have yeah, no choices. Yeah. Uh, uh, life is, uh, uh, fortunately for a lot of us who have a, cho a choice to make, an awful lot of people in the world don't have a choice. And every day there's evidence of that. So those of us that are fortunate enough to have a choice, we should be grateful and be able to uh, count our lucky stars that we have a choice and awful lot of people in the world. And sometimes I, I go to that place myself in, uh, when I maybe think I have a challenge or a problem, I just cast my mind over to imagine the problems that people have, mothers have in all parts of the world just to feed their children. Imagine, imagine having that problem. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. reality. Hey, what led you into education and Currently, you're, you've been at University College Dublin for many years as an administrator. Tell us about that challenge in your life. Well, uh, when I was uh, 16, 17 years of age and playing with St. Vincent's, uh, football uh, and sport in general was my uh, uh, you know, way of life. And I... Um, didn't really apply myself to my studies uh, as well as I probably could have or should have been. And um, at a vital stage of uh, a few months, if uh, maybe not a year before the big Irish exam, which is the leaving cert, which is the school, the state exams you do when you finish up in our high school equivalent. Uh, my father, God be good to him, uh, was watching me when I didn't think he was watching me. And he decided that he needed to have uh, a chat with me. I was the fifth son of six boys. 
and he had been through the mill with my four older brothers. And he sat me down and he said, listen, uh, there's something I gotta tell you. And uh, I said, what? And he said, you need to get your head around that you're gonna have to do these exams and you're gonna have to get results or else you're going nowhere. And if you don't show me and your mother that you're going to apply yourself to your studies, we're taking your gear from you. You'll be barred from playing. Oh. So it was a very stark uh, option. So I uh, took the easy option and <laughs> put my head down and started studying because the other option, the nuclear option, wasn't uh, uh, one that was uh, attractive to me at all. So, um, arising from that decision, I also play, uh, apply to uh, study uh, at the Physical Education College in Limerick, uh, which was just being established. And I got the results that got me an interview for that. And uh, I was selected to uh, go and attend for a teaching degree, physical education, uh, in 1972. So I did a four-year degree in teaching physical education. So essentially, my undergraduate studies consisted of a, a phys ed degree with a second subject, which in my case was Irish because I was a, an Irish speaker of our Irish language and it was going to help me get through college and I ended up being uh, teaching for nigh on 20 years uh, or thereabouts uh, for uh, P and Irish. And what's your current role at, at UCD? Now, I know it's evolved over the last few years. What's your, what's your job there? I'm now? director of sport, which is the equivalent of the athletic directorship in American universities. And I'm also director of health promotion, which means that uh, about four years ago, five years ago, I got an add-on to my role uh, to progress uh, a healthy campus initiative that is a World Health Organization initiative around uh, improving the uh, health and well-being of uh, staff and students at third-level colleges worldwide. So I'm progressing that agenda at UCD for my university. I'm leading on that. That's that's one of them. Um, tell us, and you've talked to me about your belief of sports as an integral part of education. Can you explain a little bit about that that theory of yours? Um, oh, uh, it's, um, it's a, a basic philosophy, I, I suppose, and a, a theme that's run through my uh, uh, teaching career that there's huge learning in every sporting context and every physical activity for uh, the whole population and uh, in colleges and schools that have uh, the wherewithal and the resources, both human and facilities to deliver to the students involved in education at that school or college, 
a, a program of sport and physical activity. The, the, it's a bonus, it's an add-on, it's a learning about winning, losing, competing, uh, teamwork, uh, what, uh, you're learning an awful lot about yourself and about your uh, limitations mm -hmm. and about your ambitions and your aspirations. And uh, I just think there's a, a, a little bit of a, a, a gap between the general understanding of what participation in sport brings to the education and the formation of character table. Uh, I think that it's, it's um, a lost opportunity in some cases, but I, I would believe that in most uh, societies and communities now, education will see the merits of ensuring that uh, students, uh, no matter what age they are, be they three years of age or 30 years of age, have uh, something to learn from being physically active and involved in a sport or uh, a healthy activity of sorts. Well, you've lived that, as have many of your friends. Just give us a few words. We have a lot of students, a lot of athletes, some coaches listening, uh, just maybe a few wrap up words of uh, encouragement for those kind of people. Um, I believe that everybody uh, experiences uh, occasions when they doubt themselves, when they uh, wonder what's it all about. And uh, it's about recognizing opportunities. And uh, I remember reading about uh, the methodology that a lot of leaders have around understanding that challenges and, and difficulties are really opportunities for growth and for overcoming. And that if you uh, develop a perspective and give yourself time ongoing to develop a perspective about a challenge or a problem or a doubt, that you will overcome it, you will get past it. If you believe in yourself and believe that there's uh, nothing unsurmountable and that there is a general saying around you can be everything you want to be and it's true you can be now some people would negate that and say that's bullshit you can't be anything you want to be but you can actually be anything you want to be as long as you decide what do you want to be and the perspective pieces around giving yourself time to contemplate. And for a lot of professionals in their 20s and 30s, that's a challenge because they don't give themselves time to contemplate. And the one thing I would encourage everybody to do, whether they're 20s, 30s, teenage, or uh, in the next generations beyond 2030s, is to give yourself time daily or weekly to contemplate and is your plan uh, going to plan or is there a challenge there that needs to be adjusted or taken on board in a different way or taken a, a different angle at it? I think that 
fitting in time to contemplate and to plan to a routine is very, very important. And if you do that, the rest will follow. The overcoming of challenges and the taking up of opportunities will uh, pass, will come to pass. That's wonderful, Brian. Thank you, Brian Mullins. And let's go. <laughs>